welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor and welcome to the program today coming to you from our studios in Northwest Sydney on a beautiful Sydney spring day, Hunty. G'day mate, g'day listeners, good to be with you. Good to see you today mate. You too mate. had a big weekend, we've been down at Canberra. had a fantastic weekend. I want to say a shout out to a lady who came, we were down in Canberra, just tell the listeners what we're doing Hunty. So we were at a special event put on by Faith FM in Canberra for all of the listeners who jumped online and clicked, yes, I want to come to a free dinner Yeah, and some to learn of, about Faith FM. Some of you listening today get out here, but a special shout out to a lady, I won't name her because I never met her, but I found out her name, but I won't name her, who came all the way from Hay to Canberra for that special wow. day. Wow, we good drive. We had 160 people at a dinner celebrating Faith FM on Saturday night. Yeah, we did. And it was a great dinner too. It was. It was. One of the best meals I've had in a long time. <laughs> well... I grew up in an Asian household. <laughs> what I'm really saying is, love it. I grew up. I've got a wife who's Asian, and I love you, Liska. She listens every week faithfully, but I am no fan. I've got to be careful to say on radio. <laughs> Look, I just like Aussie food. That's it. So for me, here's a good meal: mashed potato. Yes, and that was there on was Saturday there. night. Beautiful uh, vegetarian meatballs, and that was there on. I thought they were vegan. Vegetarian. I thought the whole meal was vegan. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. That's what that is. Okay. What do you? What you differentiate between vegetarian and vegan? I do. Tell us. Well, true vegans won't wear a leather belt because it's originally come yeah, from an animal. Yeah, but we're we're not talking about leather belts. We're talking about vegetarian meatballs. In other words, they didn't have meat in them. <laughs> You're right. You got it. Ah. Uh, anyway, we had a great time down there. We in did. Canberra. It was a wonderful time. Thank you for the warm uh, welcome we got, and it's so good to meet with so many listeners. Indeed. I also want to start the program off today. Congratulating the Australian cricket team. Oh, of course. Who won the World Cup. How beautiful is that? It was. I yes. didn't watch one ball, and nor did you. No. <laughs> I saw one catch, though, that was amazing. In the highlights or live? In the highlights. One of our guys ran almost the whole length of the pitch and caught the ball in front of him, still running forwards. Oh, Hunt, he might be best if he didn't talk too much longer, <sighs> so mate. So good. He wasn't anywhere near the pitch. For those who want to know, he was at mid-off. <laughs> which is about 50 to 70 metres from the pitch. <laughs> and he ran backwards. It was a great catch, though. He took it over his head. Uh, that was head. I saw a different catch. I'm pretty catch. sure that was head. I saw a different catch. Oh, tell us about the one you saw. Yeah, he was running flat out to the boundary line. That's right. That's the catch. And he had his arms out in front of him. That's correct. And he caught it in front of him. Yes. Oh. Do we agree? Yes. Well, what's wrong with that problem? <laughs> That's wrong with that equation. What I didn't like about that is I felt a little bit uncomfortable I've got to be careful again what you say on live radio, but I think the Indian cricket team should have been out there when the Aussies were given the trophy. And I would expect the same from the Aussies if they'd lost. And I think it was disappointing from the Indians. And yet I think even as an Aussie cricket fan, I can see that they were the best team in that. The mm-hmm. Indians were the best team in that Everyone knew that, but we, we still have the trophy. Well, we, we <laughs> seem to take the pressure better. And I think it's because Aussies generally don't really care that much if they lose. Like if we lost, we would have been out on the field to congratulate the Indians and they'd be laughing You'd and joking. So. Yeah, yeah, no, they would have been. Um, this day, November 21, it's the 325th day of the year. 40 days left until... One month and four days till Christmas. 
One month and four days. It's the 21st today. I don't know whether it's one month and four days, but it's four. It's yeah. the 21st of November. Okay. You could say that technically, couldn't I you? I did get away with it. <laughs> yeah. And for me, nine days until I get my knee operation. Yeah, that's a, bigger, that's a more serious countdown than oh, Christmas for you. You know, that countdown, mm. every single morning I wake up with That's that a countdown of the nuclear bomb for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm not happy. It's, it's a knee recall. I've been praying for you, mate. Yeah, I need it. Mm. I need it. Uh, what happened on this day? 1620, signing of the Mayflower Com. Act. Ever heard of that? Because yeah, I hadn't. I haven't. It's when all those people who came to America first off signed a pact that they would be a country that is a country of Christianity and of law. Oh, mm. cool. Interesting. Mm. 1789, North Carolina. Have you been there? Because I have I have, not. I have. Admitted as the 12th state of the Union of the United States of America, 1877. Thought this one would be interesting for you, Hunty. Thomas Edison announces the invention of the phonograph, can play and record sound. Nice. 1905, Albert Einstein wrote a page and he produced it and announced it in a journal called Annalen de Physique that E equals MC squared, and I have no idea what that means. Mm. But it's important. It is. I know that. Do you know what it means? Oh, I didn't know the acronyms. Energy equals mass. So you don't really uh, know what it means? No, not really. No. Yeah, well, let's move on then. Okay, eh? let's. <laughs> 1905, first ever uh, tennis match played in the Australian National Championship. So the Australian Open started today in 1905. 1918, women allowed to stand for Parliament in the US. And in 1922, on this day, Rebecca Latmere Felton became the first US senator. Hmm. Hard to believe that women were so excluded in the past. What, first it? female senator? Yeah, in the yeah, United yeah. States. That was in 1922, not so long ago. Mm. 1952, the Natural Museum in London announced the Piltdown Man, one of the most important fossils ever found, apparently to prove evolution was a hoax. Oh, no. Ever heard of that? No. This famous skull they found that they'd put forth and bring forth and shower with accolades, proving the evolution of different species of man. It was a hoax. Oh, there you go. They had to admit it. 2002, NATO invited Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia and Slovenia to become members. Could be part of the reason we've got a war today, some would argue, in Ukraine. 1977, Rocky premiered in New York. Remember Sylvester Stallone, that series of movies? Didn't see the movie, but I know something really cool about the movie. In the opening scene where he's running and exercising, running down the road, they were so poor when they made that movie, they only had enough film for one take. And someone, a garbage collector or whatever, threw something at him that he caught and threw back, which wasn't in the script or part of the plan. Yeah, and it was in the movie. It was in the movie, exactly. I yeah. actually, when I was going year 12, <laughs> spent every night watching the Rocky series in the year 12 exams and you wonder why I was bottom of the class. <laughs> Truly was bottom of the class. 2017, Robert Mugabe formally resigns as president of Zimbabwe after 37 years in office. I think that might have been a good thing. Mm-hmm. 2019, Tesla launches the SUV Cybertruck. Remember this? A gaffe occurs during the launch when an unbreakable window shattered. <laughs> Remember that? The, Bulletproof glass break. I, I mean, Elon Musk, I'm a great admirer. I love Same. some of the stuff that you do. But, man, that Cybertruck is as ugly a truck. I wouldn't buy it on principle. Um, births on this day, November 21. Let me give you some. 1694, Voltaire, French writer and philosopher. Uh, 1936, Victor Chang, Chinese-Australian surgeon. He was murdered, remember, uh, in 1991. Very skilled surgeon too. I think he's one of the first, or if not the first, to do a heart transplant. Amazing man. Uh, and if you're one of his family, our empathy and sympathies to you today. Mm. 1945, Goldie Horn was born. She's a great famous actress. Stephen Curtis Chapman, Christian musicians born today. Justin Langer. Do you know who he is? Yes, yeah, one of your miserable, miserable Cain Toad 
blinking football players. No. I love it. This is national radio. I love it. Not even close. Australian opener. Justin who? Oh, cricket. Australian cricket opener from from Western Australia. Happy birthday, Justin Langer. Hope you're listening, mate. And 1991, Penny Terapo. He's a great rugby league player for New Zealand and the Parramatta Eels. Uh, Happy birthday, Penny. Deaths, only found one. I know you know this guy. Who's that? 2017, David Cassidy, American singer and songwriter. Oh, and I used to watch him on telly when I was a kid. Mm. Partridge family. Mm, you mm. got it. Mm. Uh, special days, World Television Day, Road Safety Week. You could feature in that. World Fisheries Day. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting fact of the day, polar bears do not hibernate. Did you know that? I thought they did. No, they do not. And word for the day, yep. I love this one. I don't even think I can say it. Here we go. Obfuscation. Obfuscation. Yeah, I know the word. How do you say it? Obfuscation. The action of making something obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. You're good at that. I'll give you an example in a minute. Here's an example of it in a sentence. When confronted with hard questions, they resort to, say it for me, Hunty. Obfuscation. Obfuscation. Hmm. My example. After Lloyd defeated Hunty on the go-kart track, when asked by his children when he got home how he went, Hunty resorted to, well, it wouldn't be obfuscation because obfuscation. Be, it would be correcting lies <laughs> and general bad karma. Love it. We're over time. But I love do that. Do you want me to pray for me before love, we run out? Yes, I do. Thank <laughs> okay. you, Hundy. Definitely, Father Lord. I just pray especially for all of our listeners this afternoon. Lord, please bless them. Come near to them. I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Hunty. And here's a tip. It's a health tip from the BBC. One I reckon is worth listening to. Thank you, Dave. There we go. Your friend's address. A family holiday as a child. The name of that lady you see at work every day. Memory is our ability to recall information from the recent or distant past. But can what we eat affect how well it works? We have three types of memory. Short-term, working memory and long-term. Our short-term memory can only hold information for you guessed it, a short time. You'd use it to dial a phone number that someone has just told you without writing it down. We use our working memory for thinking in action tasks, like having a conversation. It helps us to remember what the person has just said, understand its meaning, connect it to the earlier conversation, and then share our own thoughts. Our long-term memory helps us to recall information from days or years in the past. Memories here have been shifted from our short-term memory in a process called consolidation. And what we eat, it turns out, can have an impact on how well our memory works. In a study of elderly adults with memory problems, 500 millilitres of purple grape juice per day for 12 weeks allowed them to learn more words compared to a placebo group. In studies with children, eating 240 grams of fresh blueberries allowed them to remember more words and to recall them more accurately two hours later. So, are purple grapes and blueberries special? Well, sort of. Both are rich sources of anthocyanins, a type of plant chemical called polyphenols that gives them their deep colour. These polyphenol compounds are also found in other berries. When metabolised in the body, they improve the flexibility of blood vessels and the flow of blood to our brains. 
This in turn provides more energy, nutrients and oxygen, improving our cognitive performance. And it's not just berries. Long-term consumption of green tea has also been linked to enhanced short-term memory, working memory, attention and reduced risk of cognitive decline. And it's good news for chocolate lovers too, because cocoa improves brain blood flow. Although it must be dark chocolate containing over 70% cocoa solids for you to reap the benefits. The general rule is that the healthier the diet, one that is rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans and oily fish, the larger the brain's memory centre and the better the memory performance. So, if chocolate, berries and green tea are good for our memories, are there any foods that aren't? Decades of animal studies and an increasing number of human trials show that a diet that is high in refined foods has a detrimental effect on learning and memory. In one study, 110 healthy people who typically ate a nutritious diet were asked to eat a diet high in refined foods for just one week. To give you the details, on the menu was two Belgian waffles for breakfast on four of the days and two takeaway meals at any point during that week. Within days, the highly refined diet led to impaired learning, memory and poorer appetite control. A diet high in refined foods and sugars and low in fruits, vegetables and fibre is also associated with an increased risk of neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's. The research tells us that taking small steps to move our diets in a more nutritious direction, an extra piece of fruit with breakfast, an extra serving of veg with dinner, can help to improve our memories today and help to protect them for the future. You're listening to the Aussie Pasta here on Faith FM. Pretty good advice there, Hunty. Mm, very yeah. good advice. Yeah, and I, I must... I'm getting a bit forgetful. Yeah, me too, as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. I struggle to get names of people and stuff out yep. that I haven't seen for years. Do you know Do you know what I'm yep. saying? Do you force yourself to remember them? I try to, but sometimes I just exa- I demand that my brain comes up with it sometimes hours later. <laughs> oh, I just get exasperated, need to find it, and often get on the net and then wonder whether I'm getting Alzheimer's and dementia. But yeah. I think it's, it, is, it is something you need to work on. Um, someone once said that if you learn a language in your old age, you won't get dementia. And oh, the other wow. thing I've heard is... Uh, yeah, learn the Bible. Learn Bible texts. Apparently that helps you with dementia. Good to know. Good yeah, to know. yeah. Look, you better not quote me on that. That certainly isn't a health tip. Well, learn a few Bible texts is a good thing anyway. Today we're going to talk about America in Bible prophecy, and for that reason I'm going to choose a couple of American songs today. Uh-oh. doesn't mean I support America and everything that America does, although I do love America and I do love people from the United States. I find them very friendly, honey. Yeah, they are. I do too. Have a good time. We've there. had good times in America, haven't you? Mm, haven't we? Many times. Yeah, together yep. and apart. Um, this song by Vestal Goodman, God Bless America, it's one of the most famous. American songs, and when they're feeling patriotic, they'll stand up, they sing this song, they put their right hand over their, yes, their heart. And look up to the flag. This is one of those songs. Beautiful.
Well, that's Vestal God Goodman, and she's belting that song out. Hunty, <laughs> I'm Australian. I was in America. I studied it. Why don't we have songs like I that? I was just bro? thinking the exact same thing. What, what have we got? Gert by C? Ah, yeah. Whatever's that up to? <laughs> oh, don't, don't say too much. But that is just a fantastic <laughs> rendition of God Bless America. And again, if you're wondering why we played it, because we're about to do some very interesting discussion with Robbie Bergen. On America mm. in Bible prophecy. Oh. Yes, I've got a few American songs early on in the program speak, today. Speak of, speak of his name and he just joined us. That's yeah, nice. Good, good. Now, news, news, <laughs> yes, Hunty. News. What have we got? Um, Aussie's forking out $100 plus for doctor's visit. This is happening to me. Mm. In fact, mm. I, I got a great doctor, but I, I, I rang the doctor up. I was telling you the other day, one of my doctors, Hunty, on yep. the phone. Yep. It was a five minute consult to get some. Uh, you know how they can do a script over the phone? In fact, the chemist said all scripts will be online soon, over the phone or whatever. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, repeat, get, that's repeat scripts, yeah. yeah. No, no, this is brand new script, bro. No. Brand new script. Guess how much that consult cost me for five oh, minutes? I don't know, 35, 40 bucks? 60 bucks plus, you Plus know, the Medicare? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, 60 bucks plus whatever the so Medicare. So you're only going to get, you? I get. I think I got 41 back. And you had to pay 60 out. But do you remember a few wow. years ago when Tony Abbott, Prime Minister, tried to put a $5 co-payment onto Medicare uh, visits yes. to the doctor? Yes. $5, mate. I remember that. And, and now we're paying 100 to 120 Some people are pay, paying up to $150 for a doctor's visit. But, you know, at, at doctor's surgeries now, the electricity prices has doubled, has doubled. Apparently the New South Wales government has the stung, last, a, yeah. stung a new tax on them too, which is crippling them. Really? And then you look at, it's not just electricity. What else, Hunty? Uh, rent. Yeah, rent. Rent is crazy expensive in parts of Sydney for doctor's surgeries. So what you're saying is the Medicare rebate just doesn't cover what a doctor needs to... It's outdated. It's certainly outdated. I wonder whether the country can afford it. Yeah. You know what I heard yesterday? Uh, and I make no comment, cause I, and I don't think you should too, too much. <laughs> I'm pretty neutral. But do you know how much we're about to spend on the NDS a year? Well, I heard this morning that over half of the people on – you mean NDI? The NDI. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Is NDI, it NDI or NDIS? Yeah, NDI. National yeah. Disability Insurance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, more than half of the people on that now are under 18. We've got kids on it. $91 billion a year. And it's the biggest expense our country's facing. I, I, I think when it comes to health care in Australia – we're in some trouble. Well, you know, I'm aware. I'm aware that there are some people who are on the NDI dollar, NDIS dollar, being taken to concerts with chauffeurs and escorts. So it's a whole lot more than medical. And I don't know. I'd be care. I'd be very careful. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on, bro. No, okay. Let's move on. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I drove from Sydney to Melbourne in an electric car. Now, I, you and I argue about this. Tell us what happened to this dude. Well, I don't believe the article. I, I read the article you're referring to, and this dude claimed it cost him a lot more in electricity than it would cost him in petrol. So here's the deal. Well, $2... Well, here's, here, look, here's the facts. Yep. Before we go on, Sutton Forestry paid $37.81. These are the facts. That's right. Talcatari paid $40.84. Uh, that's at Tarkata. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another $6.72, so two fills. Mm-hmm. Avenel. Thirty-eight dollars mm-hmm. thirty-seven, mm-hmm. twice because apparently you, you fill up so much and then you got to go again, mm-hmm. and then another thirty ninety-four, uh, thirty-five fifty-six, and nineteen dollars. I can't read it because there's something in the right. So I added that that all together, and he said it caused co- it it cost him significantly more in electricity one than it would in petrol. Well, I read the article to the end, and and it it re 
it restated the figures, it cost him $87 to get from Sydney to Melbourne and three and a half hours that's, of fill-up time. That's not what these receipts he's put up here. You if look, you scroll to the bottom of the article, that's what it says. Yeah, but that's not the receipts. that he, I'm going to scroll to the bottom of that. Anyway, here's my point. Uh, $87 to Melbourne is like four litres. The same journey costs $140 in petrol, okay? That's what he's saying. Go on, and I'll find the other fact here. In the Go, go, go. Okay, look, here's the thing. The, the, the charging's painful because you have to use your phone to hook up to a bank account. And one of well, the charges, he, try- he, did, one of the charges he met in on his way, he was on with Vodafone and out of service. So he couldn't link his account to the to the charging station. He's, I'm watching this right to the end. He's making it very clear that it's costing more in electricity than it did in petrol to do to travel around Australia. He did 2,500 kilometres around the east coast of Australia and it costs significantly more in electricity than it did petrol. Well, so what, so, what, so, so, and, and there's all these stops, four or five stops to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. Mm. Why would I get an electric car when I cannot yet travel Australia because the infrastructure's not there? Well, I know you're against it, but for me... I'm not against electric cars. I love them. For me, if I'm charging my electric car off the solar panels on the roof of my house... Well, then I love it. Then I love it. Of course. Mm. But then, then at this point in time... But if I'm trying... Yeah, they're then, good for the city. They're not an interstate cruiser no, at no. this point. But that's okay. Not for me if I'm... Not for me yet. For me, like this guy said, he said when they've got a 1,000 kilometres... Um, Range. Range. He says, I'm going to do it. But I'm more than happy to, to take an extra three and a half hours on my one trip to Melbourne a year. No, I'm not. <laughs> no way. That would drive me nuts. I'd hate it going in, going in to a, to a, I was going to say a fuel station, electric station, whatever you call it. And what queuing it? for it. Oh. A recharge station. And when it costs, takes 30 to 40 minutes per car and you've got four cars in front of you. Well, see, there's 350 kilowatt chargers that'll do the car in half an hour, but there's not many of those on the road to Melbourne. Remember when we were coming across from Western Australia to Sydney and we got to the border between Western Australia and South Australia and we saw an electric car charging yes. right on the border in the middle of the... Off a diesel generator. Yeah, in the middle of the desert. Yes. That was amazing. Cool. That was amazing. Um, Have we got two minutes left? That's all right. We can go late. doesn't matter. Okay. Um, new security at Coles. Okay, that's pretty cool. Love it. Apparently they've got, if someone ram raids the place... Mm. They've got this fog Smoke machine. that falls down on you mm. and so obscures the store that yeah. you basically can't steal it's like anything. A piece of, you can't see your hand in front of your face. See, security is all about hardening the target. Security lights, bollards, strong glass. And if well, all that fails, of all those security things, what yes. did you like the best? Oh, look, this new smoke screen's a great idea. Is that the one you like the best? Well, it doesn't hurt anybody, and it, it certainly protects their investments. Oh, you, I like You know it. the one I liked? What's that? If you fill a trolley full of food and you're taking it out and you go through and you haven't paid for it, the trolley locks up. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> you were saying, sorry before I interrupted no, no, you. No, 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 I was just saying that the, the elements of security are hard on the target. So extra lighting at night, bollards, make the doors secure, make it hard for, for the criminals to get away with stuff and they'll think twice about it. Now, if you break in at night... This fog descends, unless unless you know by braille and touch where things are, you won't be able to see a thing. Except the fog only lasts for three minutes. But that's enough time for the police to turn up and cause you some grief. Not in my suburb, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Actually, we can't uh, even get ambulances in Australia in three minutes at the moment. In the 30 seconds we've got left, yes. are you comfortable? Oh, look, I am, but I'm just wondering about you. Are you comfortable when you go into the store and they are watching you the whole way. They, as you walk out of that store, they know what you bought, mm. how long you were in each aisle, mm. what you looked at, what yes. you picked up, what you put back, and what you bought. You comfortable no, with that? I'm actually not happy with Big Brother and all this okay. extra surveillance. But I do get where they're coming from. It helps them to tailor their, their store to their clients. doesn't worry me. 
mm. at all. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the news for today. I mean, some interesting news today, Hunty. But overall, when you look at the news, look up because I think it tells you Jesus is coming soon. Mm. So my run sheet says we've got a reel by Billy Graham next. What do you reckon? It's a reel on – and this guy, I reckon, is one of the finest preachers around, Hunty. Yep. And this reel, uh, really interesting. Go for it. Escape him. He only lived 33 years. He never traveled more than 100 miles. He never had any formal education. And yet, 2,000 years later, an entire generation is talking about Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. It does amaze me, Hunty. Yes. That Jesus is still in 2023 having such an impact, and people are talking about him all around the world. Beautiful. And uh, there are some amazing things. You know, I heard, and I went and I checked this, Hunty. Yep. The 200 men, and this is real. It's it's not fake. 200 men in Gaza, and it didn't say when, but it wasn't long ago, Muslim men, on the same night had Jesus come and visit them and gave their hearts to him and became Christians. Wow. And I thought, when I first read this, oh. I, thought, I heard it actually. Saw it oh, in the real. I thought, this can't be true. And I went and checked it online. Yeah, it is. It's true. And so some of the amazing things are happening. Today we're talking about America in Bible prophecy. This is why I chose this song from mm-hmm. the Gaither vocal, vocal band. Another one of these great songs. We... What what are the great songs we have in Australia? Waltzing Matilda, I suppose that's all right. Um, singing Turlai Urlai Adity. But we don't seem to have these great songs that the Americans do. Mm, this one, true. God Bless America. I mean, it raise, it rises to great heights. I remember getting the hair on the back of my neck up in America listening to some of these songs. Yes. Uh, this is by the Gaither Vocal Band. Hope you enjoy it.
like that, Hunty? <laughs> it's huge. The United States, you know, when you look at history, when you look at where we are in life, it is a phenomena. We have never seen in the history of the world anything like the United States of America. And that's why I wanted to look today at this incredible nation, love or hate, or whether you're neutral, it is an incredible nation. I wanted to see whether this nation, which is such a phenomena, like the world has never seen, I wanted to see whether there's anything in the Bible about it and whether we can learn anything. And so I invited back our resident brain. <laughs> can I say that, Hunty? You can. Robbie Bergen. How are you, Robbie? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good. You sound good. I don't know about resident brain, though, but I'm good. No, that's our new term for you. You're, a, you're, you're the Aussie pastor's resident brain. Definitely. Uh, uh, we had a good time with you in Canberra on, on Saturday. Fantastic. Thanks for letting us come down there. No, it was excellent. I, I really enjoyed my time. I, and, and you did a great job, um, Hunty, running that live show. <laughs> well, we had some challenges, but God bless all the way, mate. The, the live simulcast with the radio went off perfectly Saturday night. Yeah. Yes. That was, thank, had, that was had, thanks to Brad and others feedback. helping. Yeah. I've been good feedback. Is that up on the Faith FM page? Yeah, it is. Yes. I'm going to go back and I haven't listened to that yet. I don't yeah. know how it went, but um, we enjoyed ourselves. There's some exciting announcements made. 160 people turned up for the dinner on Saturday night. Robbie, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was very good. And it was a, wasn't a great venue. I mean, the Albert Hall, right in the footsteps of Parliament House, is a beautiful place to be in. I was looking for the Prime Minister. I was wondering whether he'd show, but he didn't. <laughs> Man, he yeah. didn't even show. He didn't even send a minister, which surprised me. But anyway. We oh, had... they, were, they were there. They were the guys in the black suits. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the cabinet, was it? <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about America. Let's I, do it. Hey, by the way, great pick of a song before. That was I, was I was feeling a very American, even though I'm not. Very, very American. I was just saying to Hunty, where are our great Aussie songs like that? It's good. Give us another 200 years of history, we'll get something. Well, you know what? When you sing the national anthem over there, and I don't want to, I don't want to pick on our national anthem. It's probably not appropriate to do that, but she's pretty plain. Jane, when you compare it to the American National Anthem, when you're standing there in a baseball game like I was, man, I'm an Aussie, you're standing tall, you stand up. I wanted to put, I didn't, but I wanted to put my, my own hand <laughs> over my own heart and sing it. You know, it's tremendous. And they have these incredible songs. Um, we, we had one just earlier, God Bless America by Vestal Goodman. Have you heard that? Yes. She yeah. belted out, man. And I mean, it's patriotic, it's sturgia. And, and do you think it's fair for me to say that we have never seen a phenomena in the history of mankind like the United States of America? I think you're pretty spot on with that assessment. It's incredible, really, isn't it? An incredible nation, not just politically, uh, but their power, their wealth, their influence on the world. Just unbelievable. And it's why I wanted to have a look at it because you wonder, a nation like that, is it in the Bible? Does the Bible talk anything about it? I mean, your short answer to that, is it in the Bible, mate? I'm going to say yes. From my reading of Scripture and prophecy, I think it is for sure. Now, tell us a bit about America. Was it founded by Christians on Christian biblical principle? Was it really founded on that or is that a, a, a kind of a – you know when you look back in history sometimes, yeah. you know, you build things up to what they aren't. What, what are the facts on that? So, the, the the short, and I've been I've been blamed of being verbose recently by <laughs> some people. So I'm going to try and be concise. He's, he's having a go at me, listeners. Swipe. I, I, I want you, I've got you on here because I want you to be verbose on this subject, especially. So the history tells us that there was a really really dark time in 
the old world. We call it Europe, right? And the, the biggest problem in the old world, this is, you know, what we call the Dark Age period from about 500 AD to about 17, 1800 AD, right? So it's a big hunk of time, about a thousand years, over a thousand years. And during this time, the number one problem in town was religious persecution. And so towards around the 1600s, you have this um, awakening of this new part of the world, this new world, they called it, which mm. we today would call it the Americas, right? Yeah. North America, South America. But it was the new world in from the old world's perspective, from Europe. And so with the opening to the new world, with Columbus and these sorts of things, there became an interest of, hey, maybe there's a way to escape the persecution here in Europe. Let's go off and discover, take our chances with the new world, so to speak. Now, before, so, before you go on, the persecution in Europe was serious and it was real and it was deadly. A hundred percent. I mean, it's estimates, um, depending on who you read, but historians estimate between 20 to 100 million people lost their lives because of religious persecution. You're a bit of a hit. At, Yeah, go on, go on. Primarily at the hands of what we'd call the Rome, the Holy Roman Empire, or today the remnants is the Roman Catholic Church. But it's that Dark Age period, you know, the martyrs burn at the stake, all that sort yep. of stuff. Spanish That's Inquisition. That's the period we're talking about, Inquisitions, all of that. And uh, so people, as a historian, though, which you are, you, you said 20 to 100 million. Where, where do you stand on that line? I'm just trying to give our listeners an idea yeah. of, of the fierceness of this persecution and the reason they moved to the New World. Look, let's put it this way. If you take the most conservative estimates, which is around 20 million, that's just under the population of this country yeah. wiped out because of religion. So even if it's a minimum 20 million, it's huge. It's, it's, I mean, it's very easy to go, we want the bigger number. But if you just stick with the, the most conservative number, 20 million people, like that's the population of Australia. Okay. So. For me, from what I've read, I probably would go a bit higher than that, just from what I've read. Mm. But at the end of the day, I mean, we didn't have amazing record keeping and stuff through no. the Dark Ages anyway. But yeah, 20 million is still a significant number of people that have lost their lives. Um, I don't know if you can – there's cases for the higher number, but yeah. I've actually always thought in, your, in my reading, and from what I've read other scholars and historians say, that it was probably around 50 million. I've heard yeah. people say as high as 150, that could be a bit yep. high. When you look at populations, that, that could be a bit high. But but I think the point is you're talking millions and millions and millions of people and not all followers of the Lord Jesus Christ either. There's a lot of people just caught up in this persecution because that's what happened back then. Yeah, exactly. So like get, if, you, if you wanted to have no view, like no religious view yeah. at all, like you were an enemy of the state. And if you had a religious view that was even slightly different to what the church in town had, which was the state, you were in danger of your life as well. So it, it didn't take much to end up dead, put it that way. So you're saying they look at the Americas, they end up there. The question again, was it founded by Christians and was it founded on Christian biblical principles? So the people coming on these boats were primarily Christians trying to escape persecution in the old world. Refugees. So, so yeah, exactly. They were, they were the like boat people, you know, mm. but they were Christians being refugees out to what they were hoping to be the new world. This is where you get the pilgrims, the founding fathers, and that sort of stuff of American history. Now, when they come across, they obviously bring their flavor of faith and Christianity with them. So you have a whole, and even amongst them, there wasn't like one one flavor in town. There was like the Plymouth Brethren all the way down to, um, you know, the, the Quakers. There was all these different things in between, right? But the different, the, the common thing that bound them together was that they didn't agree with the way the old world was being run. 
which was a controlling church and state power. So when they're going to the new world, they're trying to escape that kind of mentality and they're trying to have the the right to worship. But the, in the early days, like in the 16, early 1620s, when they mm. first went over, mm. they weren't all tolerant to each other. That no. was the weird thing. Yeah, it was When they weird. got over there, like if you weren't one of us and you're in our our colony and you you came into our colony, you didn't worship on the day that we we worship and you didn't do this and you didn't do that, then they actually persecuted those people too. So it, it wasn't some immediate utopia where everything was what we understand today with the separation of church and state and these sorts of things. But primarily the Christian values were with those founding fathers, 100%. Now, there are stories where there's people that had no religious conviction at all, but that was a minority. Okay. Um would it be fair to say that the one thing that came out of these Pilgrim Fathers, and I'm going off script here for a moment, but the one thing that came out which has made America the nation that it is and so different from anything else was a separation almost from the beginning, not quite from the beginning, but it, it came out pretty early of church and state. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like by the, by the time we get, and by the time we get to about 1700 and something, you you get a more formalizing of the colonies and you have the the northern states and the southern states and all that business, right? And you're getting to this point where the thing that was making this new world different to the old world was tolerance. Mm, mm. And the tolerance was based around the idea that you should be able to worship according to the dictates of your own conscience and you should be able to live in the same society where everyone worships according to their own dictates, their conscience. And so they came up with this tagline, which we take for granted today, even here in Australia, even though in Australia we don't actually have this tagline in, in policy, but the tagline of separation of church and state, right? Like we use that as a coined term now. But these guys, they were actively experimenting with the inception of that whole concept. And so when they formulated this whole um, we're going to separate church from the state. When they did that, I don't know if they knew what they were doing. I think they were trying to uh, achieve what they end up achieving, yeah. but they, were tr- they, they achieved a society for the first time in living memory or for many, almost millennia, where you could live in a, you could function in a society and you didn't have to agree with everything, either politically or religiously. Because the other problem they had wasn't just religion, it was also the state. In the old world, it was all monarchy. Yeah, it was kings and princes and dukes and queens and all that stuff. And dictators. And, and dictators. And it would, if you didn't agree with the way they ran your part of the world, you were at odds with the state, and you couldn't live in. You had to live under, you know, the fear of being considered a traitor, or a heretic, or whatever the case may be. And when you combine church with that, then it becomes even worse, right? So in the new world, essentially, what they've said is. We're not going to live under the the um, the environment of the old world. We're not going to live under the jur- jur- jurisdiction of a king, and we're not going to live under the jurisdiction of a pope, because the pope was the head of religion in mm. the old world, mm. and the king was the symbol of the head of the power. Right. So in the new world, they're like, we're going to separate these two things into two different spheres. Let the state be run by politicians, and let the church be run by those who think it should run best, and let the ideas of both, the best ideas of both, win according to popular opinion. And this is where we get American democracy, basically. Which is interesting because uh, really it hadn't happened before. That's why they call it the American experiment. Yes, the great American experiment. Yeah, and they still call it an experiment to this day. 
Uh, I remember when, um, for, for better or worse, whether you're, you're for him or against him, uh, when Trump and, and those people rose up in January 6, uh, one of the things that was coming out is this is a threat to the great American experiment. Yes. Um, and, and it wasn't just the separation of church and state. It really was a state answerable directly to the people too, wasn't it? Not, not the other way around. Yeah, like the, there was a there's a famous quote, and I forget which president made it, but he's he's that when they were designing the constitution, um, they made the point um, we can elect any idiot as a president, but he can only be in office for four years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas in the old world, you'd have the idiot monarchy until death. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. so that I, I like that, right? Like they have this idea that you can if you vote the wrong idiot in, you can vote them out in three years or four years. When it comes to democracy, which the Americans claim was birthed in America, is that a fair comment or do you think it was birthed in Britain or, or how do you see that? Just like- I, think I think their flavour that they've contributed to world history is heavily impacted by their experiment. Yeah. Um, like, for example, even in Australia, we haven't... It's funny, you know, I mean, I've grown up in Australia, lived in Australia my whole life. I've lived in the US as well. But in Australia, we think that our constitution and our way of living is very much the American um, system. Yeah. And it's only when you pick up the Australian constitution and read it that you realize that we're not we're not no. anywhere near. Like, you know, I've heard people claim, um, uh, I'm plead the fifth or like, we don't have those sorts of things in no, our legal don't. system. We don't have the freedom they have. We actually we don't, don't have, have the freedom. The freedom. That's a- yeah, like especially when it comes to religious freedom, we don't have the same religious structure of freedom that the United States. Well, has. we so, don't have a bill of rights. That's right. So what the Americans have, and what in terms of democracy, yeah, I think they think they can put their hand up and say, "Look, what we've got, we've contributed to human history." But they drew heavy inspiration from Westminster, as did Australia, with the um, English system and things like that. But I think. Their version has improved on elements of that, and in other parts is probably not so much. Yeah. Hey, quick question. One minute, and then we'll have a song, and I'm going to bring you back because we're just getting into this. Um, a lot of people look back on American history now, and they look at slavery. Yes. Now, I don't know whether you want to call it revisionist history or real history, but slavery was a was a reprehensible thing in the United States, in the southern states. Yep. Um, is that evidence and proof that good religion was not in America in the beginning? Well, I'm not. I'm not, not condoning slavery at all, right? I think it was. It's a heinous thing that happened, and I'm glad that they did what they did to remove it with the emancipation, all that business. Mm. But the reality is, is that look at the world that they came from. The people that came to the United States came from, you know, England, Europe, these places, and slavery was a problem there as well. And if you even go back to New Testament times, slavery was present even in the Apostle Paul's writings. So it takes. And I, I think it's a shame it took so long, but you remember for 1,260 years, Christians didn't have access to the Bible in the availability that happens when you get to America. As you get to America, there becomes this religious freedom and people start going deeper. And, and people, there were plenty of people that came out and said, you know what, the slavery thing's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to appeal to the cases. And it was ultimately Christians who backed the idea of separating or getting rid of this um, slavery thing. But to your point, I think definitely... The fact that there was slavery in the United States is um, it's not evidence that there wasn't Christian values. It just is not informed in mm. its entirety. I think we forget, too, that thousands of Americans died 
to free the slaves. Now, I know history over there will tell you that it was over the... They'll say, oh, the Civil War was not over slavery as much as it was the secession of the southern states. But the the southern states seceded because of slavery, so I think it was over slavery. And there were thousands and thousands and thousands of American lives lost to set the slaves free. So America truly, unlike Britain, who just uh, legislated, America did pay a heavy price for slavery. And they paid a heavy price to free them. Hey, hold there, Robbie. We're going to have a song. This is from the Gaither vocal band, Let Freedom Ring, another American song, mate. And I'll come back because I want to get into the Bible part of this discussion. Deep within the heart has always known that there's freedom somehow breathed into the very soul of life, the prisoner, the powerless, the slave have always known There's something that keeps reaching for the sky. Begins because a baby fights for freedom, and songs we love to sing have freedom's theme. Some have walked through fire and flood to find.
That's the Gaither Band, Let Freedom Ring. Uh, welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Robbie. You ready to go, mate? Ready. Do you think... Sounds like a real American show, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably worth telling, as we've got all these American songs and we're talking about America, probably worth noting for our listeners, we're not overly pro-American. That'd be fair to say, wouldn't it, Robbie? We're actually just Very looking, fair. We're just looking <laughs> at the United States and we're going to look at some pretty challenging things about the United States, which I think challenge us in the West full stop. Um, do you think the rise of America is biblically prophetic, Robbie? Uh, in other words, does the Bible predict it? Yep. 100%. Why do you say that? So there's there's a couple of prophecies in the Bible that God has given from the perspective of giving timelines. And the timelines are in reference to himself from that point in time when he's interacting with humans. Mm-hmm. And those timelines generally run down to a intervention from his perspective. So call it the second coming, call it... Um, a period of probationary time ending for someone or something or some nation or whatever may, may be. So one of the big the big ones is Daniel 2, right? So there's a prophecy in the book of Daniel in chapter 2, and it's talking. God's talking to Nebuchadnezzar through a prophet called Daniel, and he gives a timeline from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective, which is around 600 BC, and he runs it all the way down to the second coming. And in that story, we have successive world powers, right? So it starts with Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, uh, Rome, and then to a divided European uh, state. And then at the next picture is a second coming. So that's one, that's a big overarching timeline. But we see a similar um, timeline in the book of Revelation. And if, for our listeners who may not know this, but uh, Daniel is an Old Testament prophecy book and Revelation is a New Testament prophecy book. And in the two different Testaments, so Old and New Testament, these two books go hand to hand to sort of unlock and complement each other. Could could I say so, before you go on there, it's fair to say that the prophecies of Revelation often build on the prophecies in Daniel. Hundred percent. So Daniel fact, gives the prophecies, and then Revelation fills them in with more detail. That's exactly it. In fact, the 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 authors of the New Testament prophecies are assuming that you understand the Old Testament. So if you were if studying you under- these prophecies, would you start in the Old Testament and then yep. move to the New? Yep. And if you don't, I mean, if you if you just start the New Testament, you're going to end up finding yourself hitting yourself against your head against the wall, not understanding what's this mean, what's this symbol. And the danger is is that you're going to go to the newspapers to the yeah. social media and the YouTube, and you are trying to interpret the symbols through that lens. You see people will, doing that all the time. All the time. Whereas if you start from, because you remember this, the authors of the New Testament, they were Jewish. And so they were very familiar with the Old Testament, and they're building upon the imagery and the, the language and the symbols of the Old Testament. Mm. So Revelation does exactly that. Revelation builds upon the works of Daniel, works of Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, in fact, every book in the Bible has got some connection back to Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible and the last sort of big prophetic book. So the foundation is Daniel, the house is Revelation. Yep, hundred percent. Okay. So Revel- Revelation is where we yep. see. So Revelation is where we see the United States uh, pop up. I th- I think there's evidence for the United States in the Book of Daniel as well, but primarily let's look at Revelation. In Revelation chapter thirteen is where we get our first real. Uh, identifying characteristics of what I think is the United States in Bible prophecy. And what you see there is this, there's in chapter 13 for our listeners who may not be familiar with this, there's basically a story of three distinct stages. There's um, the first stage is there's this 
beast. The Bible describes it as a beast. Now, that's not to scare you. A beast just represents a, a power of some description, and the type of animal and how the animal carries itself is describing that power. So we've got a beast that comes up, and then we have a, a second beast come up, and then we have a third stage, which is this image that represents the beast. So it's, we call it an image of the beast. So in Revelation 13, there's these three distinct stages. The second beast there, that second power, is who I believe is referring to what we'd call the United States of America today. So to understand that, though, you'd have to understand the context of that first beast coming up and the first beast disappearing and then the second beast coming up because these beasts represent power. When you actually do the study... It's, you know, and I've been sharing this with people for 33 years, more, 36. When you do the study, it's overwhelming. Yeah, this is the United States of America. Yep. It's, I've never had anybody, believe it or not, Robbie, ever argue with me on that. When they see it, I, I mean, there's two great powers here, um, three really, but I, I, I'm happy to name two of them. That first beast is Rome and the second beast is the United States of America. And in 30, yep. 36 years of sharing this with people, I've never had anyone of any religion, any persuasion, and I've studied with people who are Hindus and Buddhists and Catholics and Protestants and all across, and atheists. Not one person's ever said, oh, I, I, I can't see what you're saying there. It, it's that obvious. It's that simple. Ordinary people can get it. Yeah, like when, when you first meet someone and they go, oh, what do you think is American prophecy? And you say it's a second beast, Revelation 13. Yeah. They is normally like, no, that can't be right because that has to be China or it has to be Russia or it has to be something else. But like you said, if you just let the prophecy explain itself to you in the context of where it's talking about in Revelation 12 and 13, right yeah. there in the smack of Revelation in the book, you can't, you can't. You, I mean, you, can, you don't have to believe it. Yeah, but it's pretty right. hard to argue with it. Actually, I'm going to go into the prophecy next week biblically, so I won't spend too much time on it now But because I want to get through the rest of these questions. But it's there. And, we're, yeah. and, ne- and next week on this radio show, we're going to look at it specifically, deeply, for the entire radio show. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you some questions on the basis of that. Um, does the Bible initially predict America as a force for good or bad? So, Okay. I'm trying not to be verbose, all right? But here's the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. The deal is I have always I, – initially I thought that it starts off as good in the prophecy. And I've heard that taught by many theologian, many Bible prophecy teacher. But I have changed well, they, my they, opinion. They'd say that, wouldn't they, though, just so I'll give listeners a feel for this, because yeah. the prophecy does say initially America speaks like a lamb. See, this is where this is where I think you pay attention to the text. I don't think you can get to that argument, but yeah, that's right. So your question is, I'm not saying that's have, why it is. I'm just saying that's why people think, oh, it starts good. Can I read the verse? Yeah. Okay. Here's the verse. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, if you're going to do this next week, you'll talk about the earth and the sea and all that stuff, and you'll explain all that. So stick around next week for mm. for Lloyd's show on that. But it says, I saw another beast coming up of the earth. So this is a power. This is a nation coming up out of the earth. And it says he had two horns like a lamb, mm. and he spake as a dragon. That's verse 11 of chapter 13. Mm. All right. So in the prophecy, this is the um, ascending of what I'm going to call the United States of America. You can prove it next week on your show. Mm-hmm. When you see this word lamb, so he has two horns like a lamb. The word lamb in Revelation appears 25 times. Every single time it is a symbol of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial um, replacement for your sin, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing. 
seeing a lamb is good in Revelation. And so the conclusion is, is that because this is a lamb here describing this power and this power, if you go through the context, which you'll do next week, this power has to be none other than the United States of America based on the geography, based on the timeline, based on the, 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 the mannerisms. It has to be the United States. It can't be any other power. There's no other power that fits this, right? So if that's true, then this power has lamb-like horns, and lamb in prophecy and in, in New Testament is Jesus or Christ-like, right? So therefore you get this conclusion, oh, America is Christ-like nation, and that's true. And I'm going to put air quotes and exceptions and footnotes and stuff, but it's true. However, look at that's not how the text reads. The text reads like this. It says it has two horns like a lamb. That's Christ-like mm-hmm. values or Christian values and speaks as a dragon. It doesn't say, but speaks as a dragon. It doesn't say, will speak as a dragon. See, I've heard many of people teach this and they put a comma in there that's just not there. And they make the argument that it starts off like a lamb, Christian, but it ends up like a dragon. But that's not what the text is saying. The text is saying it has the appearance. If you look at it, it's got horns that look like a lamb. It's got an appearance of Christianity. But when it opens its mouth, it speaks and sounds like a dragon. And then the key thing is, is that Jesus taught us that when you open your mouth, it says out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And his point is, is that your character is revealed by the way you speak. And so what Revelation is doing here is saying that this nation, it will appear Christ-like, it'll appear Christian, but its real character, it's speaking like the dragon. Now, to understand what that means in the context, the dragon most literally back to the context, it is pagan Rome, so the imperial Roman Empire. But in the overarching story, the dragon is Satan himself. So what the text is actually describing is that the United States, and this is how I'm reading it, yeah, it will appear Christian in appearance, and specifically these two horns, which we could unpack another time if you wanted to. Yep. But when it opens its mouth, its real character is revealed. And even though it looks Christian, it really sounds like imperial Rome. So do you think that's been the story of the United States since the beginning? Yes. Do, do you Why? want to give me some examples? All right. So if, 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 you, if the dragon is – now, why do we say the dragon is imperial Rome? Because in Chapter 12, it says that when Mary was giving birth to Jesus, the dragon stood in front of Jesus uh, – in front of Mary to destroy the baby Jesus, right? So who, who literally tried to kill baby Jesus? It was Rome. It was under the power but, of but, Rome. But, but it was still Satan. Yeah, Satan's at the Rome. highest. Yeah. Satan's working through Rome, yeah. right? So the symbol of the dragon has it's got three levels. The top level is Satan, that's the universal level. The local national level was Rome. And then the personal uh, individual was Herod, right? Yeah. And as you follow the story from chapter twelve to chapter thirteen, each time the nation of representing the dragon changes and the person represented changes. But behind it is still Satan. Mm. It's still the same story, right? So here's the question. If Imperial Rome is the dragon immediately before the United States comes on the world scene, what was the way that Imperial Rome worked? What are, What's Force. Imperial Rome Force. famous for? Force. Force. Mm. So now we turn to the United States and we ask this question. Was there dragon language from day one? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. From even from the earliest colonies before they even constituted themselves in 1776. Well, if you look at the way, if you look at the way, I'm oh, sorry to interrupt, but if you look at the way that they acquired territory, not just from the Indians but from the Mexicans, there was Every a lot of force. Single, 
Yeah, absolutely. And like every single war that has been in existence since the United States inception, they have been involved with. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a bad brush of Americans. I, I like American people. I've got good American friends. But the reality is, is that this nation, although appearing as Christian from its in earliest inception, it hasn't had the Christian love your neighbor as yourself and turn the other cheek. It well, just not, hasn't had not, that. Not if you're Mexican. <laughs> well, not if you're Iraqi, Afghan, Libyan, to be, um, to be, Syrian, to, you name it. Well, not if you're French-Canadian, mate. Yeah. If you go back and look at the, the War of 1812, um, every war, it, 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 literally, once you get to the southern western states, right across to California, literally every one of those states was, was one in war. Now, exactly, exactly. Um, diplomacy is not their strong point. It's basically diplomacy by a big stick, and you, you go along with us because we got the big stick. Would you say then that from the beginning it would be fair to characterise America as having been a dangerous nation for the neighbours in the world? Look, I, I believe, and now this might sound like an oxymoron, but I believe that the the rise of what we call the United States of America today, it's biblically, it's been prophesied, obviously we're talking about it here, mm. But it's it's brought a lot of good value to the world, That's, despite that, what I've just said, right? Yeah, because, because it speaks like a lamb. Uh, sorry, because it looks like a lamb. It's got these two Correct. horns. So that it's is a, that is still there. I mean, all the missionaries that went out to the developing world, most of them came from either Britain or the United States of America to take Jesus. Like, I'm talking about the good guys to take Jesus yeah. to the world. Uh, yeah. Australia has Christianity not just because of the British, but because of American missionaries. Yep. Like if I if I quote John Adams, right, second yeah. second US president, he says our constitution. Now our constitution is the country. That's yeah, what is. defines the country. Yeah, he says is. our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So his assumption was as a second president of the United States was that the constitution of America, that means the formation of this country, it was based on the assumption that you are a moral person and a religious person. And if you were neither of those two things, then none of the Constitution will govern you. It would just, it, you, just, you don't fit in that category of things. So did, did the founding fathers have um, sort of divine inspiration, the way they formulated the Constitution and the amendments and so on? I think yes. I think it's, a, it's an inspired document, their Bill of Rights, their Constitution. So, and I'm, like, this is the other thing. In Revelation chapter 12, so before we get to America, there's a reference to America in chapter 12 where it talks about how that the church, described as a woman, is is persecuted by the papal power for 1,260 years. It's happening there in chapter 12, verses 13 down mm-hmm. to 16. And what's interesting is, is that the Bible says this is how God is going to nourish and protect his church that's in the wilderness for 1,260 years. This is what he's going to do. He says that the dragon's going to throw it. This is referring to papal Rome. It's going to cast out water out of its mouth and try and, and um, deceive the church, describing as a serpent and all this stuff. And then it says this. It says that the earth helped the woman, and he, she's the one that provided the safety and the refuge, refuge for the church. And the interesting thing is, is that that earth is the same earth that we see here in chapter 13, which means it's North America. So God sort of ordains this North American sort of region and the constitution and the structure there to be a safe haven for the church to migrate from the old world to the new world to not just to survive but to thrive. So I think the Americans the American origin as 
as human as it was with its persecution that it had, it still has divine agency. Okay, let's just stop there and have another song. Um, I'm going to keep you for the Bible study time too. <laughs> I, love it. <laughs> I, I want to get through these questions that's why mate because i think it's interesting it. and it's important we might as well do it in one go uh, this is a great song listen to the word not the words but the music of this song for us aussies it might sound familiar my country tis of thee again uh this is gaither but it's through the hoppers alison durham and mike allen country tis of thee that sound familiar to you hunty it does sound very familiar you know what song it is no remind me oh, oh andrew hunt god save the queen yes god save the king now what they did the americans took the, <laughs> the, the british song and put american words to it. now it's one of their great national songs my country <laughs> tis of thee. but pretty stirring stuff it was but i'm gonna give that song to the english but i thought i'd still you know drop it in there what do you think of that song robbie Oh, it's uh, makes you makes you want to be American. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so you reckon in two hundred years Australia might have some songs like this? Because yeah, I mean, look, don't, don't be too hard on the old Aussies, mate. Like we, we're only a young little country compared to the rest of the world. 
Yeah, I, I, I suppose you got to be careful on radio that you don't let your expressions and feelings get too far out there. But <laughs> I just wish we had an Australian national, and there'd be people who disagree with but us. I tell, you, I tell you what, though, I've been yeah. overseas, yeah, and yeah. when when they play um, Advanced Australia Fair, you can't help but feel patriotic. That's true. It's just that when you come back to Australia, you don't feel patriotic. Like there's nothing to be patriotic in this country. Mm-hmm. But when you're overseas and you're like in France or somewhere and you okay. hear the Australian national anthem, man. You you feel a bit of pride there. I suppose. I, I, I've never. But felt it's true. Like... When you go to America, you feel like they've got a whole like next level on our profession on being more professional with the whole patriotism thing. Well, I think Aussies are patriotic. I mean, my grandfather fought like a tiger up there on on the on, on the track or uh, what? what the, Trail. Dakota track up in there and. PNG with with his mates dropping beside him to save the country. So I think we're patriotic. We probably, as you just said, aren't as old as the US and don't yeah. have that depth of. I mean, they had like a hundred years before they even got their constitution, you know. Yeah. And then and then they get um, or more than a hundred years, and then you know it's it's been a good couple of hundred years since they got the constitution, and they got so much tradition and so much. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of experience, and experience gives you culture. It's it's interesting to me too that in America the Constitution is the sacred document. You don't swear yeah. allegiance to a president. You don't swear allegiance to a country. You swear allegiance to the Constitution. That's right. Yeah, you did know that, don't you? Yeah, it, yeah. I uphold the Constitution. That's right. One nation under God. That's why, of course, with all this trouble with Trump at the end, uh, Pence wouldn't move a millimetre because he said, my allegiance is to the Constitution, not to a party, not to a president, but to the Constitution. Uh, And good good on him. He he actually did the right thing. And it's the Constitution that protects the freedoms and the rights of of every American. Um, Let's cut to the chase. In the end, what does the Bible say? And I want you to speak plainly. What does the Bible say America will do? Uh, where do you want to start? So if you go back to uh, you, Revelation you, 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 13. Uh, Revelation 13, in that prophecy, what does the Bible suggest? Now, I know that we can't unpack this completely. We can't look at it with crystal uh, clear vision and say this is exactly what's going to happen. But the Bible gives us an overview of what America's part in end times. So, uh, Am I being an- fair yeah. when I say no, no. that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But to answer that question, you have to – because the way Re- Revelation talks about what we believe is America in prophecy, you have to understand just a bit about the power before it because everything that America is going to do in the prophecy is in relation to the power before it. That's just the way it's written, right? So So share with us briefly your perspective, power before it, and then what America will do to support that power. Yeah. So the power before it, I think, well, I don't think I know. There is um, 11 characteristics, identifying characteristics of that first power. And that first power, if you want to read it, Revelation uh, arguably, chapter 13, Robbie, verse 1. Arguably, Robbie, when you're looking at the United States of America, you need to read and study that first power, as you just said, to understand yes. America's place. Yes. because the, So the, first, the 13 characteristics of the first power all point like hand in glove. You can't move around it as being the remnants of the Roman Empire that united with the Christian church, which we would call today papal Rome. Rome. So pap- yeah, papal right. Rome is the power that we see described as that first beast of Revelation 13. Which it's will be alive and active at the end of time. So it, the, the interesting thing is the beast in chapter 13, it starts off with a great big hurrah, if I can use that expression, yep. but it ends up with a mortal wound or a deadly wound. Yep. So it's dead. 
It's something something happens to it. Now, the interesting thing is, is that it's from a historical point of view, and this is interesting. Even the United States reported this in February. I think it was twenty, uh, sorry, nineteen twenty nine. They reported in San Francisco Chronicle saying that the the Roman Catholic Church received a deadly wound. They even quoted this passage in nineteen twenty nine, right? And what they were describing was the day. Sorry, not the deadly wound. That was the wound was healed. It was wounded. Seventeen ninety eight. 1798. Mm-hmm. So the Berthier. wound is basically when um, Berthier, who is the general for Napoleon, comes in and separates the church and state power. That's the key ingredient. Very, very it's significant. Very significant in Bible very prophecy. Significant. So in 538 AD, Rome, the pagan Rome, or the emperor Rome, gives power to the church. And that's the formation of what we call the papal, the Holy Roman Empire or yeah. the papal Rome, whatever you want to call it, right? And so that's when it gets its power, and in 1798 is when it that's reversed. So, so for, reversed. for 1260 years, exactly, papal Rome rules over Europe, which some people call the Dark Ages. This that's is a time. Yep. This is a time of persecution, of death, of darkness. Now, uh, let me be clear, though. I don't believe that if a person identifies as a Roman Catholic, that no. they're a bad person. No, I'm just describing, and it's not even just me. This is what his, history has reported that. This is when the institution was formed, 538, and this is when the institution lost its state power, 1798. And it's at that time, 1798, right? When's the Constitution of America signed? 1776. So at the time that the papal power is going sort of into exile, this new power is coming up. And that's exactly the way it's worded here in chapter 13. In verse 10, it says, the first beast, it's leading into captivity. It's killing with a sword. It will be killed. It will go into captivity. And then the very next verse says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. So there's a transitional period of powers happening on the world stage. When the papacy is losing its power, the United States is gaining its power. And so that's why it's, if you look at the characteristics, there's no doubt that we're talking about these two powers as being um, papal Rome and then the United States. So your question was, what's the United States going to do in this prophecy? Well, it goes on and describes in verse 12, the next verse, that it's going to exercise all the authority that the first beast had. So the first beast being papal Rome. So something's going to happen that's going to tie the United States to papal Rome. Mm. It's going to they're going to be a working together, which it is incredible. Goes, which is incredible, Robbie. And yes. I'll tell you why it's incredible. Because America is like me, Protestant. Yes, was Protestant. Papal Rome is Catholicism. Yet the Bible says these two will come together. And if you know the history of Protestantism and Catholicism, think Northern Ireland. This is unbelievable. Go on, mate. Unbelievable. Well, you're exactly right because the reason why we have a North America or the United States of America is because they were fleeing the papal persecution. That's right. But the prophecy says here in verse 12, the very next verse, so verse 11, it comes on the world stage because of the persecution that finds the new world. The very next verse, which I believe is a period of time, it's not immediately, Mm. it says it's going to start acting like that first power, which is papal Rome. So we should expect in the prophecy, if if we got this right, we should expect America over the course of its history to shift from being this great land of freedom and separation, church and state, to the reversal of that, where there's a coming together where there's less freedoms and the coming together of church and state. That's the first thing we see. Another thing we see is that in verse um, 15, it says that this power will have, uh, well, this, what the United States will have power to give breath to an image of the first beast. 
So something in the United States, they're going to they're going to construct some sort of image. Now this is not literal. This is symbolic. This is figurative, right? It actually goes back be... to Daniel chapter three. I yes, think. chapter three. Yeah, the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. And the, again, the and that's why it's image. important. That's why it's important to understand. Even in the book of Daniel, it's the the, the first six chapters of stories that describe the last six. So That's Jesus, right. Jesus, you might be listening to this and think, "Oh, this is." Di-. It's actually not difficult if you start from the beginning. We've kind of jumped in, haven't we? Uh, without doing the, and you possibly shouldn't but, do that. But, but look, some, some, somewhere, sometime you got to jump into it. Yeah. And um, you know, if if you're listening today, there's a whole backstory to this. And if we started the backstory today, you might not be listening today anyway. So at some point, you've got to deal with these topics, and you just got to jump in and learn to swim in it. I guess is. The analogy. So, so let's cut. What's going to happen? So it moves on, and it says this in verse fifteen. It says, if we're reading this correctly, verse fifteen, he, which is the United States in this case, is granted power to give, um, to breathe life into the image of the first beast, that the image may speak and cause as many as would not worship the image should be killed. So here's here's the first clue that we get: something in the United States as history is going to lead us to the point where they are going to be involved in the issue of church and state coming together or religion and politics I, coming I together. I think this is a bit scary, to be honest. I, look, it's, it's, the reality is that this would be a fundamentally different America than what we're historically familiar with. You could argue even what we have now. Well, I was going to say this, like, Remember in 2016, Trump came out to run the election. Now, I'm not a fan of Trump, Biden, Obama, any of these guys. I'm just a Bible student observing things, right, from you, Australia. You work for a different king, for a different cause, for a different, <laughs> different kingdom, and that's Jesus. That's it. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Let's see if you know. What was Trump's slogan for his election? Make America campaign? great again. What's the last word in that slogan? Again. If you have to do something again... If you have to make America great again, what does that imply about the present? That it's not good. That well, things, n- things are down. It's not great. Yeah. That's the implication, that which is. means that before at some point it was great, currently it's not great, and we've got to do something to make it great again. So here's my, here's my argument. I think Americans recognize that America has changed. Yeah. America is not the America of the past, of all the great legends and the great presidents and the the founding documents. America has changed and people recognize it. And if, if anything, it's changed more since 2016 to 2023. And profound, so I profound think we're cha- in a profound, very interesting space. Yeah, America has gone through profound changes, I believe, since 9-11. Profound, uh, enormous. And not the the paragon of good that stormed into World War One and World War Two and saved the Western world. And... and and let's face it, even Australia has much to thank the Americans for. Um, without the Battle of the Coral Sea, etc., Battle of the Philippines um, and Malaysia, uh, Australia probably wouldn't be what it is today. America saved Australia together with Australian soldiers, of course. But it's changed. Things are not yeah. the same as they once were. And, and I think what I'm hearing you say is at the end of time, if, this, if, if they're going to breathe oxygen into that first beast, they're going to provide the power, am I right, the authority for Rome to make a total comeback? Is is that what we're saying here? So that they have, so Rome, with the United States backing them up, has the same power she had before she fell in 1798, or have I got that wrong? That's. I think that's exactly where it's heading. 
if if not already they're on the way. Do you, I don't do, think do you see yet? Do you see things? Do you see things that give you hints right now, twenty first century, two thousand twenty three? Do you personally see things that back up what you found in scripture? So yeah, yes. Short answer is yes. Let's back up a little bit. Um, if you go back to, so I didn't, I grew up worshiping America, right? I wasn't religious. I wasn't Christian. I just loved the 1978 Corvette Stingray. Um, <laughs> my father had a Pontiac Trans Am. He had two of them. I like the and 1967 we, we to, Ford Mustang, mate. We used to show them at the American <laughs> car shows. We had American flag flying in our house. I mean, I was all, I was all in on America, right? Yep. So I love America, but when I became a Christian and I started becoming a student of Bible prophecy, I was amazed at what is happening that we don't see. For example, right, in 1989, there is a Time magazine. You can go Google it. Um, 1989, uh, John Paul II is the Pope, and he's on the front cover of Time magazine, and uh, Ronald Reagan, both on the front cover. And the title is Holy Alliance. Now, remember this. Where did America come from? It came from fleeing persecution from who? The papacy. That's right. And for the few hundred years, if you even mentioned you were a Catholic in the United States, you yeah. were you were like Bin Laden, like you were a terrorist. Like that's how you were treated. But all of a sudden, in 1989, we have this Time magazine with a holy alliance between the president of the United States and the the head of the Roman Catholic Church. And the whole article is basically about how they worked together to bring down the Soviet Union. That's the whole purpose of the article. In the article, it talks about how that the um, president, Ronald Reagan, ordered his troops to have a direct chain of command back or communication back to the Vatican before even reaching him. So something had changed in the 1980s between the acceptance of um, Protestantism working with Catholicism, right? So that's what's, that's that's probably a very key point in um, in American history. However... Since 1950, since 1950, every American president has gone to the Vatican since 1950. Before the 1950s, I, like I said, if you even mentioned that you were Catholic, it was like you're saying you're Osama bin Laden or you're a terrorist or something. Yeah, things have but changed a lot. Something changed, right? And here's you, one you saw that... it in You saw it in the, in the um, funeral of Pope John Paul uh... Second, second, when you yeah, had all was, those American presidents lined up together with other digni- American dignitaries paying yeah. homage to a very popular pope. Now, 2015, we fast forward, right? Francis is the pope. He comes to the United States. He's the first pope ever to um, address the joint meetings of Congress, right? The chair, uh, sp- uh, is it no, a speaker, the speaker of the house, this is what he said in his speech, right? Listen to this. He says, in 1965, Pope Paul the Sixth planned a trip to New York in order to address the then relatively new United Nations. The challenge for U.S. officials was that the nation didn't have formal diplomatic relations with the Vatican. So America had no diplomatic relations Mm. with the Vatican in 1965. Many Americans believed that to do so would be a violation of separation of church and state and could see the Holy See given undue influence. So this is what he's saying. This is is his speech. Speaker of the House. In 1965, the Pope wanted to come to the United Nations, not to America, the White House, to the United Nations. And when he comes, they're like, oh, we don't have any diplomatic ties with this state. And the reason is because if we did, it would represent the church and state coming together and would give unnecessary influence for the Pope, right? Mm. 
Here's the last sentence of the statement. Washington changed its mind in the early 80s. Yeah, that's right. That, that was in Time Magazine, September 21, 2015. So here's the point. America has changed its mind on it, how it sees the relationship between church and state and the United States and the Vatican. And all it has done is gotten closer, 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 closer. Hold that thought. We'll have a song. We're going to come back for one more go at this. I find this very interesting listening mm, to you, Me too. Robbie. Thank you. Um, this song from the Seraphim's Archipelago. This is an Adventist group, Robbie, from Africa. Don't know whether you heard. How can I keep from singing? We've gone off the American theme and music because <laughs> we've gone over time. I don't care. All right. But this will just give us a time to breathe, to think, and we'll finish it off.
I think as we go through all of this and we look at these prophecies, there can be some scary stuff about what's going to happen at the end, powers that are moving back and forth. We need to remember that we're loved by Jesus, and the important thing through this is that we continue to have a relationship that is deep with Jesus. You there, Robbie? Sure am. Okay, I can't see you, but I'm going to see you in a minute, mate, when Hunter. <laughs> here he is. Here, <laughs> here he is. Yeah. Um, we're talking about some of the things that gives us uh, kind of hints um, that America and Rome are moving back together. Was I right in hearing you say or, or alluding to the fact that America now does have a relationship with Rome? Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. They've got ambassador now, and they have had it for a number of years. Um, but yeah, things have changed. And, and for example, let me give you a couple of sites. You wanted yep. some recent things. Yep. Here's a former Chief Justice, uh, Chief Justice William. He said, the wall of separation between church and state is a metaphor based on bad history. Wow. So this is a chief, uh, former Chief Justice. Now, if you don't know your Chief Justice, they are, they are the um, interpreters of the Constitution of the United States. Like they are they're, they're the top of the top. They're you, arguably you to... as important in their own way as the President of the United States. Because they, oh, as look, you they said, can overrule a president. They do. They, like, they do. The, the way the American system works is amazing. Like it's, it truly is an amazing structure. Like with their three executive branches of government, and all that business. Like the checks and balances is, it's pretty impressive. And so, in their own right, they are the presidents of the document, whereas the president is of the administration. They are the, they're the ones that interpret the document. So that's why there's such a big hoo ha every time that there's a, a place to appoint a new chief justice because they're on that job for life. So it's a and big what deal. he says there is so significant because yeah. you've got America that was the very the very backbone, the foundation of this nation is the separation of church and state. If he'd said that 20, 30 years ago, they would have run him out of office, even as a, a, as a chief justice. But to say, well, it gets better can, than can, that. can you just read that one more time? Because I, yeah, so I haven't heard he that says, statement before and it's stunning. He says, he says the wall of separation... Now, remember, the United States is based on the assumption of separating church and state, right? Yeah. That's what it's based it's on. It's one of the pillars it's built on. Yeah. And, in yep. fact, in, we talk about those that, that lamb-like horn. Yep. That's what we believe those two horns represent, the separation of church and state, That's one's right. democracy and one's um, uh, Protestantism. Yep. So here he's saying the wall between those two things is a metaphor based on bad history. So basically saying... It's just bad history that's caused us to be like this. We don't really need to continue it. And that was his argument in the, in the greater context of his speech. Yep. But here's something a bit more recent. This is 2003. New York Times ran a magazine, uh, ran an article asking the question, is the church and state wall crumbling? This is 2003, right? And they go on and talk about how that President Bush's faith-based initiatives were blurring the line between the separation of church and state, right? But then you come down to 2022, this is last year, CNN, they had an article on uh, in June last year, and the title is, Brick by Brick, the Wall Between Religion and Government is Collapsing mm. in America. Mm. Now, if you had have lived at the, as a founding father of that country, and someone had told you that in you know 300 years, 400 years from now, there will be no separation between church and state, you would have rolled over and dropped dead. You would have like, said the experiment has failed and America has fallen. That's right. And not just any religion, not any church and state, mm. but the very power that they were evading or, or fleeing Europe from. Mm. Like the very power that they set up the nation as a response to, we are now seeing in our lifetime 
a going back to it. Like CNN, I mean, CNN is not the greatest uh, source of truth <laughs> by any stretch of imagination, but they're saying, hey, the war between religion and, and government is collapsing. And here's one more. This is Reuters. Um, this was last year, June last year. It says US Supreme Court takes aim at the separation of church and state. And then Washington Post, the same month, says under right-leaning Supreme Court, the church and state wall is crumbling. Mm. So you tell me, how does a prophecy that's written 2,000 years ago in Revelation 13 it tell us that this power is going to raise up, it's going to look Christian, it's going to have separation of church and state, but eventually it's going to come back together and go back to the exact same power that it fled from? How does a prophecy say that? And now in 2023 and 2022, we've got the mainstream media telling us that it's happening. I'll tell you how it happens. The prophecy was inspired, written and authored by Jesus Christ, creator of the world, who knew the start from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega. That's That's why, I don't know if you see my shirt, that's why I am a faith experimenter. (laughs) (laughs) You notice, Hunty, that he's got all the Faith FM regalia. Yes, yes. and He's got got shirts. Caps and and shirts, embroidered jackets. What have you and me been gifted from Faith FM? (laughs) Not a diddly squat. You know, maybe because I had a shirt. (laughs) I had two shirts for you guys in Canberra, and you've, I forgot to tell you, and I forgot to give it to you. Well, if you sell them both together, I can wear one of them. Well, they'd need to be. (laughs) They were 2XL. No, they'd have to be 10XL for Hunty and at least 5XL for me. So we haven't missed out anything there. Hey, hey, getting back to America, because we've got, I reckon, eight or nine minutes left, Hunty, on this. Little spiel. Depends if you lose your last song. No, no, I'm not losing the last song. Well, second last song, I meant. So, sorry. so how much time have we got you left? You can go another nine, another three. You can get nine minutes from now if you lose your second last song. No, no, no. Then yeah. six. You got six left. Six, okay. Yeah. Um, it's on the screen. I always feel bad coming on this show every single time. We love you, brother. No, we we have good discussions and they're important discussions and it's important. Hey, just before we go any further, because I only got a question or two to go because we haven't got a lot of time. Um, tell me this. Is there any resources that Faith FM offers? And this is off the cuff, man. I've got it, honey. You've got it. Yep. Okay. Um, is there any resources that we offer that we can give people that would open this subject up more? Or Absolutely. In fact, let me give you a code word if you want to text this in. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a code word for you. Okay, try this one. Um, actually, let me do it while we're talking. Okay, let me, let me, let me, now let me answer the, the number to send no, it no, to. No, no, no use having a number until we got the code word. I'm oh. going to give you a code word now. Keep they talking can, to they me. They can write the number down. Look, it, as soon as Robbie gives you the code, you send yeah, it to okay. 0488-880-851. So if you send the code that Robbie's about to give us to 0488-880-851, you will get these amazing resources. And the, and the code is? The code is... USA. USA. Look at Love that. It. So 0488-880-851. Just type in the, the word USA and hit send, and you'll be sent some, some cool resources from us. And those resources will unpack what we're talking about here, Robbie. Yes. What what you're going to get, if you text in USA to that number that Lloyd, uh, Auntie just gave you, is we're going to send you a magazine. It's um, 60 pages long, uh, thick, wow. I should say, and it is covering the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation at together at a high level, but it's I'm going to unpack the Daniel two stuff we talked about, and it's going to unpack some of this Revelation thirteen awesome. stuff we're talking about. Fabulous! Is it easy to understand when you get in? It's into super it? easy. Uh, in fact, it's it's a really high quality piece of resources. One of my favorite resources we have at Faith FM. I think we might stick those numbers and stuff on Aussie Pastor Facebook and on our on our uh, web page as well, honey. Yeah, okay. So yep. people can 
follow that through. Where does this end? What happens if the US and Rome in the end? Will they be together, strong, rule in the world when Jesus comes? How does this end? Uh, no, not when Jesus comes, they won't be. Um, put it this way, it gets ugly, but then it gets better. Yeah. I don't know how much time you want to spend on this. You've, but, got, you've um, got four minutes. Is that right, Hunty? Four minutes indeed. Yep. So the picture the picture Revelation paints, Revelation 13, this is like verse 15 to 16, 17. The picture it paints is, is that in the absence of the papacy having complete dominance universally, America sort of acts as the, the muscle to get everyone in line with the agenda. And so there seems to be a coming together of, you know, some people like to call it one world governments and new world orders and these sorts of things. Yep. I don't necessarily see it that black and white. I think it's going to be more just a coming together of of um, agenda, not necessarily one government or one, yeah. one country ruling everything. I agree everything. with that, actually. I think it's just more where there's going to be a uniting agenda and that's going uh, to unite uh, us. Yeah, I like to think of it as a uniting of an agenda and all the chaos. Yeah, well, like if, for example, right? I'm not saying COVID was a part of it, but COVID w- was a very good, interesting lesson to learn. The way that the whole world was able to get onto an agenda item, and I'm not saying it was good or bad. I'm just making an observation that we all had the same signs, we all had the same measurements, we all use the same expressions, we all did the same actions, and that to achieve that on a universal scale in such a short period of time, like it took a matter of weeks for every country on Earth to do social distancing to have the this, um, the one and a half meter separation, all that stuff. So the fact that we were able to get the whole planet on a, a single point of an agenda in such a short period of time, to me, explains that this prophecy is more than possible. And yet people have argued over the years, like last 20 years or so, before COVID, there's no way the way Revelation's describing the United States and, the, and papacy is going to work together. There's no way it's going to ever be possible. After COVID, you know, that's only two years ago, one and a half years ago, people are changing their mind. they like, well, well yeah, actually, yeah, we've, you have we've to. seen it happen. Hey, you have to change your mind. I'm not a COVID denier. I've had relatives die from COVID. But you right. have to change your mind when you look at the fact and the reality that people couldn't go to work unless they had the jab, that entire the entire nation was closed down. We were restricted to at one stage to a couple of kilometres from our home. That's uh, right. We couldn't cross state borders, unheard of. The whole nation... Uh, bent under the the draconian laws, and again, I'm not anti-COVID, I'm not anti-vax, I'm not into that sort of stuff. I'm just looking yeah, at just, I'm just looking at what you say. The observation of how the state was able to enforce their will upon a freedom-loving people, and and how they dealt, Robbie, with those. Now, I wasn't one of them. So, so I'm not on that the cons- the COVID conspiracy side, but I still stood back and was amazed at how the state dealt with those who opposed. The state. It was unbelievable. Yeah. In, yeah. in it the twenty first century. Strong handed is another way to put it, right? Well, it was very strong handed and it was interesting to see how the majority of the population uh jumped in behind the state. Well, so get this, right? Just read this verse. This is Revelation thirteen, fifteen. Uh sorry, verse sixteen. This is the next verse after we read. It says, He, this is the US, in the context of talking about America, he causes all. And in, the, the rest of the part doesn't matter so much. But that those three words, he causes all. Let me ask you a question. Um, how does a state cause everyone if it, it, it enforces something? It- well, I think if you had been there, if our listeners had been there on Saturday night listening to you, we would have all got an idea of how that's going to happen. 
The point I'm trying to make here is, is that the language of the prophecy written 2,000 years ago is that this United States power mm. is going to be very intr- instrumental in coercing, mandating, forcing, whatever word you want to use. It's, it's not free will. And yet the United States was started on the assumption that everyone's got free will. So there's a fundamental change going to take place in the psyche of America. Is that, is that, that beginning happen, now? I think so. I think we are, but but I think what's happened right is that there is a pendulum in society, and that pendulum has been pretty much center uh, for the last couple hundred years in the yep. United States. But that has been swinging so far left now, and I'm talking about like in identity politics, in the in the gender wars, and all this stuff. There's going to be a, a reaction, like all this sort of stuff. It's it's gone so far left. I don't think it's finished yet. I think it's sort of fair, fair way yeah. to go yet. Yeah. And when it gets that to the maximum point. You know what's going to happen? Reaction. It's going to swing all the way back over, correct onto the right, and that's the side that I see these prophecies fulfilling in. Do you do you see things? And I know this is out of the way out of the blue, but do you think that things like because the, the sense I'm getting from you is you're going, saying that these two great powers will restrict our freedoms. The Bible indicates they're going to enforce a style or a a um, direction of worship. Do you think the the loss of cash, those sorts of things. Are, are they things we should look at and say, well, this is all trending in a direction that could one day in the not-too-distant future force these sorts of things the Bible talks about? Before you answer, Robbie, can I just tell our listeners, if you want to hear what Robbie had to say on Saturday night in Canberra, go to the Faith FM Facebook page and you can watch the entire lecture. Anyway, so, Robbie, your answer? <laughs> um, the short answer is yes, but... To put it in context, so the next part of the prophecy talks about economic things. Yes. It talks about yeah, it no does. buying and no selling, right? We call it economic boycott today in, in, in financial terms. So America will be involved heavily in economic boycott in order to get people to go along with whatever this agenda is, right? And as you alluded to, it's, it's in the prophecy, it's connected to the idea of worship. We, so, we haven't but, really got into that too much. Uh, do you want to come back next week and talk about worship? Yeah, or... look, we could unpack that. But to finish your question that you just mentioned, mm. um, the economy, like watching the economy, watching the cashless and all that sort of stuff, that, I think that's, you'd be silly not to, but mm. I don't think you should fixate on it. No. And the, this, because the same thing is true for technology. Like technology is just as equally important to keep an eye on because technology will be used I believe, the way I read this prophecy, because the end, of the end of the day is it's all about how is a country, how is a state power going to coerce its citizens and how does that expand globally? So whatever thing, whatever tools are at the disposal to achieve that, yeah, pay attention to them, be aware of them, but don't fixate on them. So things like military developments, things like technological developments, things like economy, things like cashless societies, all that stuff I think is you know, important. But the key is, and I want to leave, probably leave on this part, depending on what our time is, is Jesus <laughs> is the one that claims to have given these prophecies. And if Jesus claims to give it, he's giving it to us for our best interest. And so the whole point is, as you always say on your show, keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter what's happening in the news, keep your eyes on Jesus, and he'll guide you through all this stuff. That's, I think that's a good place to end. The, the focus 
of our attention as we come to the end of time should not be on these things, but should be on Jesus Christ. That's more Bible study, more prayer. Get yourself into a good Sabbath-keeping church. Get into Bible study group and fellowship with other Christians. Uh, you got your eyes focused on Jesus, you'll be right. Hey, thank you, Robbie. Mm, thank you, Robbie. Thank so you. Much. Um, maybe we'll get you back next next week. We'll see how your program's going, brother. Yep, no worries. God bless. Thank you, Thanks, mate. Guys. See ya. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, that was a good discussion. You've got one minute left before I play the last song. Uh, Play the last song, and then I'm going to use that minute after the last song. This this song is a beautiful song. Um, I heard the story of Jesus. It's what this is. You might not think it, but we're getting into these conversations. You'll see as we conclude it next week. This is what this is all about. It's about Jesus walking with Jesus, having Jesus as your focus. Thanks, Auntie. I heard the story of Jesus Sounded like music in my head Beautiful story of Jesus Dispelled my doubts and all my fears How marvelous is his love brought to me from above. Oh, it's not just a story, but reality. This world is longing to know Wonderful story of Jesus I'll take it wherever I go Tell of his love For this world To save every man Woman, boy, and girl Oh, it's not just a story Listen, if you want to know more about what we've talked about today, I know what it's like when you first come across this. You might have just stumbled across us in the radio and it can be a bit confusing. You might think, oh, that's way out there. Those guys haven't got a clue. I want to give you our free offer again. Was it a 60-page? 40-page. 40-page of prophecy. Robbie guaranteed. Clearly explained. Easy to Mm. understand. Mm. If you want that, where do you go? All you have to do is text USA to this phone number, 0488880851. So you just simply text USA and one of our auto bots will grab your details and we'll be in touch. So it's 0488880851. Just put in three letters, USA, and we will definitely get this to you. Yeah, that's what we'll do. And hey, Hunty, what about if they want to do if they don't if they they're not into texting that? Could they send it? You can email us. You email the Aussie pastor at gmail.com with your details. We'll still send it You'll to you. You'll make sure that happens. Absolutely.
theaussiepasta at gmail.com or 0488-880-851. Well, as we finish our program today, let me encourage you this Saturday to find a good Sabbath-keeping church. Turn up for worship, fellowship. You'll be greatly blessed. And if you're in northwest Sydney... I'm preaching this week, Hunty. Good. Actually, we have a baptism at our church. We do have a baptism. Some of our young people and some of our older ones. It's going to be a fantastic Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath is, is, is what us Adventists call Saturday. Fantastic Sabbath. Worship starts at 10 a.m. with Bible study. Then I'll be preaching at 11 o'clock. The music's going to be good. Absolutely. It's going to be a high day at New Hope Adventist Church. What's the address, For Hunty? Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the Aldi. Can't miss us. Uh, In the that. Life Anglican Church. I love just behind the Aldi. Give them. Give them the address one more time. Four, Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. Very easy to find. So if you're in North West Sydney, I want to see you there. Hunter, you'll be up the back with the tech team. Yep. You'll see me up the front. Come and say good day. Thanks for joining us today. Quick prayer. Lord, thank you that you are with us, that you've blessed us in a difficult, challenging subject. Be with our listeners, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech. And you know what? We love you so much. But Jesus loved you so much more. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.